On today's episode of the podcast, you will hear another wonderful birth story from Mai, who shares about the birth of her first daughter. We also got a bit into the birth of her second son and how those two were slightly different and, of course, connected. Mai talked about the importance of preparation for birth and having a support person such as a doula for herself and for her partner just as much, if not even more. We talked about the importance of the birth team and the atmosphere of the birthing room. Mai shared how much trust she gained in herself from this experience and how she still carries that with her in her daily motherhood experience. Thank you for being here to listen to this birth story episode, and let's get started with Mai. Welcome to the Birthing in Finland podcast, brought to you by the Nest Doulas. I'm Danielle Bensky, a mother and postpartum doula specializing in maternal well-being and psychology. Each episode, you'll hear eye-opening interviews with some amazing people who support families in Finland just like yours. We'll help you navigate what it means to birth in Finland, growing your confidence on your parenting journey. Thank you for spending time with me today. Now let's jump into our daily dose of birthing in Finland. Hi, welcome to the Birthing in Finland podcast and to this episode with a birth story that we're going to do with a good friend, <laughs> Mai, uh, who is joining me today. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, just to let our listeners know that uh, it's just really funny how our journey together has gone over the couple of years. I think we I want to say we met at the first at our first child's meetup, uh, like a group moms meetup at Compass Psychology. But the truth is, we met before. We yes, met we on, on we Instagram. Met on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we met on Instagram, and I think we shared with each other the link to the Compass Moms group. And then we had both signed up and met there. And then the path just kind of continued. And then you joined with your second baby to the mother's group, which I started facilitating in August. And Since then, it's been a really beautiful journey. So um, I'm happy to have you here. Thanks for joining. Thank you, Thank you for inviting me. Um, yeah, so as I mentioned, you have two children, but I want to have you introduce yourself a little bit more. Tell us maybe the age of your kids and also your relationship with living in Finland. Yes, so uh, I'm Mai. I'm from France. I have been living in Finland for 12 years now. And I have two children, Lumi, she's two and a half, soon three, and Havu, uh, who is going to be six months at the end of the week. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And also in terms of um, like your knowledge with the languages spoken in Finland, I think that's an important part for people who are going into the system. It's, right. Yeah. So uh, I actually integrated in Swedish. So this is my main language and I work in Swedish and I have it very fluently, even uh, stronger than my English. But then also I uh, got to, uh, I speak some Finnish also, not yeah. as good, but I do. Yeah. And you have a partner who is speaking also Finnish. Yes, we speak yeah. Finnish at home. Okay. You are also at home. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have some context, I think, especially just because of the experience of being and interacting with staff and in hospitals and all of that I, that I feel it makes a difference in some way so it's yes. kind of nice for people to know the background also 
So six months ago, that makes Havu was born in which month? Also, just to put October. it in context for people. October 2022. 2022, exactly. Yeah. And my daughter was born uh, in June 2020, uh, yeah. the first day of the end of the first lockdown, oh <laughs> the corona, <laughs> when everything was absolutely... <sighs> strictly closed and no partner were allowed, etc. So the first day when they released a little bit the restriction, she was born. Mm. She waited for that. Mm. Good timing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's maybe talk a little bit about that birth experience as well. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, where do you want to start? <laughs> well, I can start from the first of the first beginning when I found out I was pregnant with my first, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I did a very early test. I was on very tuned to my uh, when I ovulated, etc. Uh, and I got an early test that said positive. And in the same day, I had incredible, incredible pain mm. that maybe that made me uh, black out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like a cramping, uh, extremely strong, like you have in your leg, but holding for 10, 15 minutes. Mm. And it was unbearable. And I passed out. And when I uh, regain my senses I thought that okay this was probably a miscarriage but there was no blood nothing else than this weird pain so I didn't really know what to do uh, should I announce to my partner that yeah we're pregnant or should we already manage our expectations or how what to do and I went for early scan uh, after that and it was so early that they couldn't see anything. Um, mm. And they told me to wait and I was calling on the Neovola. And they also told me to wait and book me an appointment for six weeks from there. Yeah. So I felt very alone mm. there and then. And two weeks later, the same cramping happened again. And uh, I passed out. This time my partner was with me. So he called the ambulance and I was brought to the hospital in a ambulance, it was a very traumatic experience per se, and uh, still no blood, but this incredible pain. In and the uterus area? In the uterus, like in yes. The yeah. Yeah, yeah, the uterus cramping, 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 and starting like the pain coming in the whole body and seeing black dots and then totally black and then passing out. And there they did a, a vaginal uh, echography and um, showed actually that there was a heartbeat. So that was the first time I saw a heartbeat mm. and they were like, but no, it's it's here. I was like, okay, but what is this pain? I could not even mm. rejoice that there is a heartbeat, there is a baby. I was very confused that what is of this pain and is, and is this going to be pregnancy? I was very worried. Uh, and I was also worried of if I have this pain now at three weeks, six weeks of pregnancy, what is the delivery going to be, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Funny how our mind works, right? Right. <laughs> it's hard to project like <laughs> so far yeah. into the future. Mm, I also have endometriosis, so I'm quite used to have pain uh, in this in those area, and I thought that I could handle it. But those two uh, episodes were so violent that I thought that okay, this is probably closer to birth. This is what people have said that birth is about. That is, is mm. is strong. So yeah, so that was the the start of it all. Well, I can make a spoiler alert because otherwise I might forget to mention it. But I figure out or I found out two years later 
by digging up in my files, uh, my medical file, that actually when I gave birth to my daughter, so my first this pregnancy that started dramatically this way, mm-hmm. they found that I had uh, two small placentas attached to the main placenta. And the explanation is that I had the vanishing twins syndrome, meaning I was uh, pregnant with triplets and I had two mis- miscarriage at this very oh early stage. Yeah, but I didn't bleed uh, out, so they didn't saw it. And because there was one fetus remaining and we saw the heartbeat, they f- thought that, well, everything is fine. And that was my daughter who was born later. But I had, yeah, there were two others who, who ex- wow. explaining the these intense episodes. Oh, wow. So it was interesting to finally have and an nobody answer. nobody told you that in person? No, like you had oh. to find that from your medical file two years later. Mm, actually, when I gave birth, the um, midwife said something about the placenta when the placenta came out. But I was literally just yeah. giving birth and I had my baby mm. on me and shaking, etc. But I remember that she did say something about the placenta. Interesting. And when I was pregnant with my second child, they asked me, like, is there anything we need to know about your first birth that we need to take into consideration for this time around? And I that's when I started to remember that, yeah, there was something with my placenta, but I don't remember what it was. And that's when I, I started to ask them to look for my file. I had to ask three times because they forgot. <laughs> and the third time they found that, yeah, actually you had uh, two mis- miscarriage and this is why you had three placentas. That's so rare to yeah. be naturally conceiving triplets. Well, actually, what I was reading on this, it's much more common than we think. But because the miscarriage are so-called mis-miscarriage, that you don't bleed out, uh, it goes unnoticed. Mm, That's Um, also true. So you might have. Mm. Yeah, it happens more than than reported. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Hey. But so, yeah, it started a bit (laughs) intensively, to say the least. And this is what led me to quite quickly look for support and help. Yeah. Uh, because I'm from France, and in France we have a the medi- there is a lot of bad things I can say about France, but the medical system is very supportive. I would say, uh, at least emotionally, uh, people are here to listen, and they will send you to other uh, persons if they cannot give you the support you are looking for. And I was very surprised to have just one phone dom- number, this line that they told me to come in six weeks if I haven't ma- have a miscarriage in between. So I tried to go private and they could do a, echo, a scan and that was all. And yeah, so I looked for, I found from the Swedish community, um, Folkhälsan and Lilla Lykkan organizing different group for expecting moms. And I started to go there when I was, I think, eight weeks pregnant, <laughs> mm-hmm. while everybody else was 32, 36, <laughs> ready to give birth. and But I needed that. Um, yeah. And I, I needed to understand what hap- was, was happening, what was going to happen, and um, how to prepare. So I started mm. to prepare very, very early. Uh, and in one of those meetings... Um, there was a doula coming. Um, the actually the the boss doula I call her from from Helsan, <laughs> and she was uh, she just had translated from Swedish to Finnish a method called Föda um, utan uh, birthing without fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
and she was talking about this method and I found it very inspiring and I found her very inspiring and she was the first doula I ever met and mm. the first time I ever heard about doulas actually mm-hmm. but I first thought that I'm not sure if it's something for me um I don't know if I want someone else at my birth. It feels a bit weird. Uh, it's not the way I have heard that things goes. And so, but I was just grateful to have her around and knowing that it was a thing. And mm-hmm. when I started to look for more information on birth, etc., I started to hear about uh, Chloe, who is also a doula at the nest, and she's a French doula. Yeah. So I thought that I could maybe use this link. Um, between the French medical word I'm used to and lacking here and someone on the spot here. So I met with her and she gave me a a lot of resources, many resources, books, podcasts to listen to, uh, websites, everything. And she was the door for me into the the doula ward. And um, yeah, so that was how the first preparation i don't know how much i should go now in detail on on. (laughs) (laughs) no i mean as as much as you as you feel is important and you can also choose the moments where you feel like that was important or or something that was like an an aha moment for you as we say Mm -hmm. um, about the preparation or something that i mean this i think that choosing a doula i think is a pretty big aha moment and maybe like later when we talk about the birth you can tell us what impact you feel it had Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not having such a person yeah um well and f- f- from having doulas i started to uh, and from having all of those information from chloe I, I started by listening podcasts and a lot of different birth stories and from there kind of like picked and choose what i wanted to do as a birth preparation and what was possible to do in finland uh just before covid and then when covid hit so that was it <laughs> yeah um, change of plans yes change of plans but i kind of did everything you can do i was listening previous episodes that you have recorded for this podcast and pretty much similar uh, than uh, many other participants yeah uh prenatal yoga um i went to the osteopath regularly i went to acupuncture regularly um i also did a lot of um uh, hypnobirthing preparation and I found that eventually this is the one who helped me the, the most mm-hmm. and still to this day is something that I really felt that I gather a lot of knowledge like in my body and how to tune with my body and how to listen and focus and calm my nervous system from this hypnobirthing preparation mm-hmm. and it, actually I did it on my own with an app nice <laughs> from the app store I just wrote hypnobirthing and it was this app with okay. free recordings and I loved how you said now that the hypnobirthing tools are still with you now because, yeah, the connection that lies between the birth preparation, the birth itself, and our motherhood, mothering experience, it's all like one continuum. It is. And I love to, in retrospect, I think you it's hard to see it in the moment, but in retrospect, you see like the lessons that you may have learned or got from the birth or the preparation for the birth and it's really lovely to hear that you're still using some of those tools in your in your life now too and and what you are saying about seeing the link between the birth and what is still there and the connection i think it's both on a narrative cognitive mind you know i learned so much from this and that and i resonate in different ways but also i think that the body itself 
uh, is really rich of this experience and and uh, it stays there. It so does. I think the hypnobirthing exercises, I really feel them in on the body level that yeah. I'm about to tune or to calm down or to ground myself in totally different ways thanks to those exercises. And that's so needed in motherhood. <laughs> it is. It is. When your child has a tantrum, <laughs> when you're, you you get triggered for something or you're reminded of your own childhood, etc. Yes. Hypnobirthing exercises, breathing, <laughs> grounding. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wonderful tool. Good. Yeah. So then maybe let's go into the story of, of how the baby was born you can choose yes. which one you want to talk about <laughs> first um, or... I, I will start with the first one and then have few details about the second one because it's sure. much more effective <laughs> express delivery the second but but the four, first one started so like i said it was the lockdown and it was the big lockdown what was it six weeks or even a little bit more like the the big big one when we were not mm-hmm. allowed to go out at all and everything was closed and mm. the uh Pregnant women were supposed to deliver with a mask on and no partners. And and it was very, well, it was rather, I don't know, maybe in retrospective, I can say scary times. I was not scared, strangely enough, during those times. I was quite confident that it will go the way it goes. Uh, But of course, you wonder. And also, I was wondering if my partner could come. And it was also out of question that my doula would come. And actually, yeah. by this time, I mentioned that I started to work with Chloe, the French doula. But because of lockdown, my partner was not allowed or about to come to any of the last Neovola and uh, scanned at the end. And uh, my partner is a, uh, an engineer, he's a number person, and he <laughs> was very, very worried to see that our the baby was not following the curve of how big it was expecting to be expected to be. So I'm very myself very skinny. So I was I think I was saying that it would be very weird that we will get yes. a four kilo babies. Yes. <laughs> but he was f- seeing what they say in Finland, how big your baby should be. And it was not what they were saying. So it was yeah. sick of worry. So eventually I thought that, OK, we need a doula for him. We need someone <laughs> that can talk with him and resonate and someone who translate everything I'm hearing in those podcasts, all this knowledge that I've gathered from French sources and whatever I've done, someone who can condense, uh, transmit to him those information. So I, I contacted this first doula I met from Falkelsen mm. uh, because she's um, bilingual, Finnish, Swedish. And I thought mm. that actually it would make more sense if we were to have someone on the spot, someone to speak Swedish with me and the, sta- the personal, the staff there, and someone who speaks Finnish with him and also yes. staff there if needed. So I contacted her again and she said that actually she was not taking more uh, clients, but she liked me. So she made mm. an introduction. I felt mm. very special and I was <laughs> And she spent many, um, many hours on the phone several times with, with auntie to... Um, to explain, to talk with him, to let him ex- express his worries uh, from the result, but also from the birth, what to expect, etc. And, and I'm very grateful that they had this moment and that it was yeah. a possibility for them and for him to, to have this. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was the background. But knowing the restriction, I was not expecting to have my doula on the spot, but it was everything was for me, preparation and 
be the best ready as possible. I had made a birth plan, but I was also very open to any to everything I have informed myself, but I was rich of this traumatic experience at the first passing out out of pain. So I was absolutely not against the epidural. <laughs> I felt that I'm not living this kind of pain again if there is relief for that. Mm. So I would be happy to try everything else before, but when the times come, uh, if needed, I would like to have an, an epidural. So mm-hmm. it was written in my birth plan like that. And uh, on the day before my due date, so I had done a lot of preparation just before, a lot of acupuncture and osteopathy, etc. The day before my due date, uh, the the contraction, no, three days, sorry, before that, I started to have contractions uh, more and more. And uh, I was very excited that, okay, this is... Now it's happening. This is that. And I started to do my hypnobirthing exercise. I started to put my tense machines on and I was one hour, two hour, three hour in the shower. It started in the evening, 10 o'clock. And I was measuring my contraction, but I thought so that they were still mm. eight, 10, eight minutes apart yeah. and not so strong. So I knew that, well, it's, it's on its way, but it's not now. Yeah. And it was not now, and it was not now, and I had the burst ball, I took it in the shower, and I was listening to music, and I had a super nice time by myself in the shower, because I was excited, looking for it, and mm. thinking that, okay, I'm dealing with, it's exactly like I've heard those different stories, yeah. uh, and those podcasts, etc. you get so, to live it yourself. Yeah, <laughs> I was very, I was in the moment, I was enjoying. Uh, and then at six in the morning, um, my partner woke up. He didn't even notice that I was not in the bed all night. <laughs> but at six, he woke up and found me in the shower. I had been there all evening, all night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good thing that in Finland we have constant hot water. Yes. <laughs> yes, for sure. In Israel, where I come from, the hot water ends <laughs> at yeah, some France point. Too. You would have 10 minutes and that's it. Yeah. Oh, gosh. But he came in the shower and, and that was the time when my my. I think my passion, my patience was kind of like, mm-hmm. okay, now it has been so many hours. It's not even the pain. Well, it's, I feel the compression are getting stronger and also closer in, in time. So maybe we can start to call the hospital because I know they will tell us to stay at home anyway. So let's try to prepare the terrain because I was quite ready. Now it was the day. Now I was ready to get this thing started. And my partner was like, no, no, no. The due date is in three days. And anyway, she's going to be born two weeks after so it's not now and he went back to bed (laughs) and at seven he came back one hour later and then i forced him to call the hospital and they said that well come in a few hours when you feel but and they told us about the restriction being lift up so Mm, the partner could come etc so at eight o'clock we went to the hospital and um um, I saw actually a friend of mine who is a midwife, a Swedish-speaking uh, midwife, and she was just finishing her shift. And she was saying that, oh, I will fix someone in Swedish for you. Uh, have a good birth. And she, she went away. Uh, but the only person who could take me there on the spot was a person who could only speak Finnish, actually, not, not even English. And I think she was uh, probably just starting her career, very young midwife. And she was quite uncomfortable by speaking English and she um, looked how much I was open and she was just shaking her head, um, saying no, no, no. And then she said that no and showed her index finger saying that no, uh, 
Just one. one centimeter, like not even one centimeter. And then my partner was saying, like, yeah, I told you it's not happening. It's going to be in two weeks. <laughs> and it was so difficult emotionally, nervously, because mm. I was so exhausted and was so disappointed because I really thought that I had handled it all night. And, ah, you know, I will come and I will be five centimeters open and I will show them and, you know, all of that. And I was so disappointed. And we came back home. My partner started to do uh, remote work, having Zoom meetings, sending emails. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I still had contraction every five minutes and I was just crying. I had mm. a nervous breakdown that, okay, is this really so that I'm going to be like that for two weeks now? And <laughs> this is just pre-labor. So I texted my this doula uh, yeah. saying that I still don't know if you can come anyways because of restriction, but could you come at home with me? Yeah until yeah. it's time to go back to hospital and she said like yeah absolutely of course it's That's not great that you does. did that yeah. but of course and she she came a few hours later and she was very efficient and just the way she came in she was like auntie close your computer no this is happening uh, uh, <laughs> so uh, he coached sometimes him. it takes that third person yeah and and she started with him because yeah. it feels all along it felt that she was his doula first yeah, yeah. and she coached him she kind of put him in the moment, like, okay, no emails, no work. This is happening now. It might take a while. Maybe it will take 48 hours, but this is 48 hours that you need to be here. Mm. And she needs this and that and this. So go to the shop and he got me some vegetable juice and some honey and some food. And <laughs> she, she kind of responsibilized him on few yes, gave him uh, tasks. Areas. <laughs> exactly, tasks. So he was responsible of giving me energy and ho- of the ambience being nice. So he was in charge of music, for instance, and the bag, making sure that it's packed, etc. So then he started to be in action. Yeah. Uh, action mood. And she was with me and she removed my app that I was using to rec- register every contraction. <laughs> she said, like, I'm, I'm in charge of it. Just go in your bubble. Mm-hmm. And that was a shift for me in the mm-hmm. process of the, how the labor was going. I yes, left yes, the yes, app. yes. I went in my bubble. I had the tense machine. I was breathing. Removed in. the thinking brain. Yes. And, and she made me unclose my jaw. Mm. ground me breathing deep uh, and from there it went it was really nice and it Mm -hmm. went really fast that's Um, the switch you needed yeah yeah that's amazing it was was really really nice and I remember that I I couldn't see so much from this moment because I really like kind of physically also went in the bubble so everything became blurry yeah I just remember the touch and the presence yeah she was there she was uh, pressing my pelvic uh, mm-hmm. for every contraction and then my partner was there and he, he was striking my arms holding my hand and giving me comp- like encouragement that I'm so strong and I can do that and giving me the water bottle to zip to to have some water and honey in a spoon and <laughs> you know I felt that okay I have a team I'm, I'm like in a big hug mm. and I'm oh. safe yeah yeah, and I didn't know that I would need that and that I would even like that because I'm not a touchy person. I don't want people to touch me or hug me or anything. But in this moment, it felt really needed and, and nice. Mm. And after two or three hours at home uh, with in this cocoon, I had the bloody show, so-called. I started to, to lose blood and went to the toilet. And then the doula started to measure the contraction again and she said that okay now I think that it's it's a good time to go back to the to to the yeah. hospital 
And when arriving, uh, they had heard, thanks to my uh, midwife friend, that they needed a, a Swedish-speaking <laughs> a midwife on spot. The message was received. Yes, she had been very strict. And it's mm. the law, actually. Mm. So um, I'm really grateful she did. The thing is that they didn't have anybody on shift then. But because it's the law and because she insisted so much, they called the midwife teacher from the the midwife school in the swedish uh, speaking school uh, is it practicum arcada and so she left the, the her students there to <laughs> come and <laughs> the hospital to give birth uh, well, that's interesting I, i think it's interesting to stress that that it's it's part of the law what is the law exactly like if you request a swedish speaking midwife they must like Provide? They have to provide service in uh, yeah in in the second uh, national language, so it's not by law. Okay. You cannot by law require services in English, but in Swedish you can. But you can by law require an interpreter. You can, yeah. That's Absolutely. that's another thing. That's also yeah. a good point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you cannot have an interpreter in Swedish because it's the second official language. It yeah. has to be a, a Swedish speaking. Person. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So I had a very, a very good midwife, let's say, a very mm. <laughs> experienced. Yeah. And when she arrived, actually, my doula had worked with her before. Oh, she had been first with her. So they recognized each other and they hug each other and they were so happy to see each other. And I felt that, wow, this cocoon is just, you know, ex expanding. Mm -hmm. and we got the message when arriving at the hospital that, yes, the doula can come too, although it was not the plan, but we are opening restriction. We don't know what is now. So just, you know, everybody's welcome. That's so, and, so good timing. Yes. <laughs> And I was just, now I started to have, you know, the adrenaline, like, yes, no, now it's happening. Now I'm well uh, supported. supported. I have my, par my partner, my doula, I have this nice, apparently very good midwife. And she asked me when we arrived and she said that, yes, you are open four to five centimeters so we can go to the, hmm. the, the birth room. And from there, it was just fun. I, I wanted to have a bath. So like I said, as much natural Uh, as long as it goes and to push postpone the epidural as yeah. much as possible yeah so we started with a bath there and my partner was playing italo disco music <laughs> we had so so much fun uh, everybody was laughing making jokes i was having my honey he was <sighs> having uh, uh, pressing water on my face how do you call just um Brumisateur in French, I don't know, you know, those bonbons, those gas water bottles. Okay. Fresh when it's hot. Yes, That's yes. Good. That's the advice I give to every expecting mother. So what mm. do those, uh -huh. um, mm -hmm, um, Like water mist spray. Yeah, exactly. Something Sp like that. Water mist spray and keep it in the fridge until the birth because it, it gets so hot that it's really nice to have nice. this. And it's very nice for the partner to have a specific task and he was in <laughs> charge of the spray of the mist <laughs> among all of his other tasks. Nice. And um, yeah, so we were in the bath. But actually, I've, I was expecting everybody saying that the bath is so nice and it's release and relax. But for me, it was kind of the opposite because I felt like my baby was coming back up like with the ground mm. in the water. And it was very uncomfortable. Mm. Quite soon in the bath, I started to have the urge to push, which was very, um, uh, well, I got a bit confused because I thought that, okay, am I already 10 and it's time to push or what is happening? And I had uh, later, after for the second birth I prepared and I 
understood that it's not only you can, don't necessarily have the urge to push because you are open then it can also be because the baby is striking some organs and it is what happened in our case in my case the baby was not in the optimum position she was some kind of ope or i don't remember the terms anymore but she 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 was a little bit on the side and in the water actually she came a little bit back up to come back down in the right position mm. but all this turning process that she was doing was very uncomfortable and I could feel well, yeah. <laughs> that it was moving and I had the urge to push. So after, I don't know, 45 minutes or something in the bath, I was like, okay, I cannot, cannot be there anymore. Actually, it might have been one hour, one hour and something in the bath. Um, so I asked to, to come out and then I started vomiting and yeah. it's also very typical yeah. apparently and uh, also, <laughs> so i heard it previously but every time you vomit it's worse 10 contractions i had heard something like that <laughs> <laughs> that is it makes the body it's a good sign that the yeah. body is really on, on yeah yeah the labor is processing well so then we went in the other room and we did more of those i didn't mention but i did a lot of ba- baby spinning during uh um, pregnancy so i continued with baby spinning exercise my doula had a robot so uh, i actually um, had also essential oils with me sage and lavender mm-hmm. i had the tense machine um, we did a little bit of everything and as long as it felt good usually 20 minutes 30 minutes and then trying something else and yeah at the end after two hours of that i was quite tired and i asked like okay what what else can? What else do we have on the menu? Menu. <laughs> what is to be done? Yeah, it's all about changing and shifting. And that what I'm doing uh, now. I'm doing prenatal yoga, and one of the things that she says there, Nicola, at Purna Yoga, the next, uh, the, the best position is the next one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like exactly. always to be shifting and moving and trying different things and yeah, until yeah. it's not good yeah. anymore and look for something yeah. else. And yeah, something else will help. And that movement is also really supportive of the baby's descent into into the pelvis yeah well by this point actually i couldn't move so much because i had been awake 24 hours before (laughs) and i I had been on the bursting ball in the shower for the whole night oh yeah yeah so now it was um so we arrived at the hospital at with the doula the second time it was one or two in the afternoon and by then it's yeah at four four o'clock uh lumi was born one hour later at five Mm. so when you were out of the bathtub yeah i was yeah uh, yeah, I arrive at one. I was out of the bathtub around two thirty three, yeah. and then I had still one hour and a half yeah. doing those movement, um, yeah, so etc. And then I actually asked, like, "Oh, you don't do acupuncture by any chance?" She was like, "Yeah, actually, I do." And she went yes, <laughs> acupuncture needle, and she put them on my face and my head, and I don't know if it helped anything, but it was just you know some some kind of program, mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. it distracted me, and I was smelling my essential oils and. I was well surrounded. We still had the music. And by then mm-hmm. I, I started to require a bit more calm music. And yeah. we shut the curtains and the light. And I think the doula and um, the midwife, they were kind of like making wings to each other. And they were <laughs> communicating a lot with faces and yeah. body language. And I saw yeah, that that's so important to keep yeah. a quiet space. Mm. They were very in tune, but I wasn't really sure there was no protocol or there was no big word like this is next or let's do this or but there, it was just you know following the mood and it was mm. really organic and natural it sounds perfect 
And that's the moment when I started to ask about the epidural <laughs> because I was very tired. And I was thinking like, is this just the beginning? And there is 10 more hours of that. I could really use the sleep, I think now. And there, uh, so I asked, um, what is the situation if I wanted to have? And the mid midwife was like, oh yeah, absolutely. If you want, we can just, we can call the anesthetist. He's just uh, in the next room. Uh, he will come in five minutes, but do you really feel that you need it now? I think you have been dealing really, really good with the, with all of those contractions and we still, we can still do this and that. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah. Okay. Well, if there is still those alternatives, you know, I was the just menu. worried. Yeah. The menu <laughs> is still going. I was just worried because I've heard those stories from France that they miss the anesthetist and next shift is in three hours and they have to be in this stage when they yeah could really need the help and three more hours. So I was worried of that, but I was just making sure that I was like, no, no, no problem. You would come anytime you want, but let's continue being in this moment and you're doing great. And then everybody mm. was like, yeah, you're so strong. You're doing so great and striking me. And That's so beautiful to see that you got encouragement at that moment. Mm -hmm. And maybe 15 minutes later, I asked again, <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> is he still next door? <laughs> what about having now? <laughs> And the midwife was saying like, yeah, okay, well, we can we can go and ask. And I'd, as I said that, I also asked to my doula that, can you remind me the benefit of not having versus the risk of having also? You know, I was trying to make my mind uh, mm. there. Yeah. And that's the moment when the midwife suggested uh, we will look how much I was open and checked. And she said that, yes, you are 10. You can push if you want. <laughs> and then I had a little panic, but mix of positive anxiety, um, excitement. But I was like, okay, okay, wow, uh, pushing, pushing. But I was not actually, I was dreaming of this, you know, natural birth without epidural. But I actually, I did not prepare for it because I didn't <laughs> thought I could really actually make it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she started to to tell me that okay now push and and now stop etc and i found it a little bit confusing mm -hmm. um especially because i had had this pushing urge a few minutes uh, like one hour earlier when the baby was turning and i was expecting that it will come back when it will be time to push and then i would just have to listen to my body and the body will push by itself and now i didn't have this urge and i was very confused when she was telling me to push and i didn't have any contraction and i didn't have the urge but she still taught me to push etc so it took 20 minutes but eventually i pushed her out and and she was on not actually on my chest because the cord was too short mm, <laughs> but yeah. she was on my lower belly yeah and yeah feeling her warmth and her weight in my hand mm. I understood that I had been carrying a human being in my yes. body all this time I was totally disconnected I had not understood and when I, I was pushing that feeling too <laughs> when I was in the labor when I was pushing I I was in my I, I looked at it as an exercise per se and I had a lot of fun and I was it was a performance per se but I never connected it to the fact that there was actually going to be a baby at the end of it, which is very weird. <laughs> but No, I totally see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I can relate to that. So it felt like when when I was touching her, I was like, what? Where am I? What has happened? Like very, very weird feeling, like coming back from yes. a very long trip to yes. the, the here and now. Yeah. And yeah, that was wonderful. And the adrenaline, every, everything, the 
the feelings rushed and, and uh, uh, hormones, etc., but also the reality and the pain <laughs> uh, that I had not felt until then. Um, but I had a little, um, how do you say, um, they need, I needed one stitches, uh, one stitch. And so I didn't have any anesthesia then. And that's basically, that was the, the most painful moment of the whole labor <laughs> when I had to get these this stitches. And also because emotionally um, you are like, oh, come on, I did it now. <laughs> no, no, it's supposed to be the bliss. Mm-hmm. But that's Interesting when I that they didn't use the, anesthesia. Well, they, they did like local spray okay. anesthesia, but I react very uh slowly to those so it will have take one hour or two before i react to that i have the same problem when i go to the dentist that they try right anesthesia and i react when i come out from the appointment (laughs) that's that's useful (laughs) so so that was the start of the the postpartum pens and the the afterburst contraction and apparently you're not supposed to have them at all or not that strong for the first child but for me they were very very strong and actually more painful than the uh, labor contraction Mm. themselves Mm. wow was it like that also on the second birth the the after pain that was even worse yeah i was really pale and uh, the midwife were worried then for me that Mm -hmm. am i am i fine Um, how did your breast feeding go uh, breastfeeding went relatively well. I was also very informed uh, on that and I had a lot of resources and knew where to go if there was some, some problem. And I actually did use the services from the hospital uh, to come for consultation and they helped me mostly with the position getting the baby yeah. more higher. Yeah. I can actually mention on that because I had inverted nipples, mm-hmm. um, which is, I know, a source of worry for moms who have that, that can they breastfeed at all. And during pregnancy, I had read about that, and I actually had ordered some kind of big serene that made a like a pressure, air pressure pressure on the nipples to invert them back, and it had worked partially. And then when uh, my daughter started to breastfeed, it's it fine. Uh, it took one week, and it was totally out. After. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. I mean, with stimulation, they tend to. I mean, it is erectile tissue. <laughs> Our nipples have erectile tissue, which is what, you know, when stimulated, they pop out. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They react, yeah. yeah. So a lot of lanolin. <laughs> I didn't dare to use that much at first, but just, yeah, mm-hmm. the whole tube or even two <laughs> if needed. That helped a lot. Yeah. And, and it went well. Um, Good. But yeah, but this golden hour that we are, talking about that I was so much looking for. It was actually not as ni- nice as I was expecting. But I also think that it might be due to the that I had my high <laughs> during the birth itself. So I was already so high and so happy then that there was no way of getting higher <laughs> somehow. And and the golden hour was more like coming down from, from this yeah. Um, uh, hormonal rush. Yeah, yeah. But I had by protocol because I didn't know better or wanted to ask for anything else. Um, I had the oxytocin uh, uh, shot, injection. shot, yeah, injection. And also uh, the, actually, the resus, because my, I'm minus, AB minus, and my baby was plus, so there was some other injection that needed mm. to, to be put in there. And I burst the placenta, and then they, she mentioned something about weird placenta extra things, yes, but this I would understand exactly. later what it meant then. <laughs> um, but yeah, 
I'm mentioning those things because um, although this birth was the dream birth that I didn't even dare to, to dream about, when I prepared my second birth, I tried to think uh, still of the thing I would like to, to change or to, how do you say, to, to have better <laughs> or to fix for the following birth. And it was very technical things. It came to technical and protocol things. I mean, things that the hospital has is in its protocol that by reading and informing myself and discussing with doulas, I understood were not necessary. Mm-hmm. Like the oxytocin shot, like the guided pushing, mm-hmm. this phase when I felt totally confused and disconnected mm-hmm. that she was telling me to push and not push and yeah. etc. Yeah. So in my birth plan, I asked for the second birth plan. I asked for uh, no sh- oxytocin shot if not needed, uh, free yeah. pushing. I want my body to do it when it feels ready. I also yeah. didn't want a cannula because I had some blood, um, uh, big, big anemia uh, f- due to a blood sickness that I have. They were worried that they would need to transfuse me blood. So to anticipate it, that they had, they put me a cannula in my hand. But then somehow they forgot this cannula or they thought that I can still come to need blood transfusion during my stay at the hospital so I had the cannula for three days and it was extremely painful during oh. breastfeeding actually yeah yeah it's so difficult to get the baby in the right position and if you have uh, <laughs> a needle in your hand <laughs> yeah it's not very helpful so I was very explicit that please if there is no health risk for anybody I would rather skip the cannula mm-hmm. the oxytocin shots all of those things yes yes so, yeah, that that came from mm. this first wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And did you then stay at the hospital a few days? You mentioned three days. Were you at the Nest Hotel? And was no, it nice we were at the hospital. Hospital, but we got a family room, so my partner could stay. He could have his Zoom meeting in the <laughs> in the coffee room from there because he was, was was still working. No, it was it. Uh, we had to stay a bit more because she was under their their limit of three kilos. In France, we have smaller babies, and like I mentioned, I'm also very skinny, so I was expecting to have a, a smaller baby, but they didn't like that. So they were monitoring her her blood sugar uh, levels, um, so she had extra control every six hours or something and, and we had to stay for two nights so yeah three mm-hmm. nights in all three days yeah yeah and how was that experience in the postpartum ward well that was a little bit more sh- the big shock well for the first this experience i understood that it's it was the the lockdown so i was grateful for anything i could have anyways mm, that changes things right in your mind right <laughs> You're, yeah it puts things in perspective the second time around though um it was a bit more shock because we were not allowed to have a, a family room but again my second child was also under three kilos so we were not uh, allowed to go actually it was 2.9 which was the limit but it was too tall so proportionally they didn't let us go to the hotel. <laughs> so I was alone in the room. And actually, I gave birth mm. to him at five in the morning or something like that. No, yeah, well, whatever, three in the morning. And uh, I was in a double room with another mother who had been there the whole week. And they rolled me in a, in a rolling chair up to the postpartum ward. And they dropped me at the door with my baby in my arm. And they gave me... Um, 
how do you say um to to put on the pillows and the cover like covers the sheets the sheets thank you yeah they gave me the sheets and they gave me my baby and they told me that my bed was the one in the back of the room <laughs> and i had literally what? given birth 45 minutes prior So I had to Hmm. put my baby in the little nest that was there and cover her and put the pyjama on, although I was planning on having the skin to skin all along. And I had to start to make my bed (laughs) (laughs) just after giving birth. And uh, Talk about mothering the mother. (laughs) mm -hmm, At seven in the morning, so two hours later, they knock at the door that breakfast is ready. And I had to, again, put my baby down to go and pick up my breakfast and then bring it back and when I was bringing it back I got uh, summoned because I didn't put the glasses where the glasses belong and the trash where the trash belongs so uh, some nurse showed me how to do it taking my plate and then she put things back in there and told me that I needed to learn how to do it myself so (laughs) otherwise I will never learn so I felt very disconnected but I rather love of, of this now because it was so absurd but um yeah one this better is not be prepared one better be prepared that the postpartum is quite rough uh, and this was nice and clinic so the helsinki um hospital. this is just so wrong on so many levels yeah not <laughs> optimum <laughs> let's say so it's great if you can have your partner or uh, just someone so that was a bit a bit oh, sad oh wow mm. oh wow this is really not okay Huh. Okay. And did you get any breastfeeding support? Did you feel you needed for the second one then in the postpartum? No, not at all. I remember quite well what I was uh, taught the first time around. When we had this compass psychology mother circle, we we met with a breastfeeding council there, for instance, and I went to, uh, I brought my baby to the osteopath when she was four days old. So also there, she showed me how to place her lip so that it will get the whole nipple and and the tongue, etc. Yeah. So I remember that I saw that my second child was also, he had the, the lip inside and that hurts the nipple if the baby is kind of, is not sucking properly. So I arranged his lip and his uh, his mouth and he got a, a good latch mm. quite quickly. Mm. Yeah, and you remembered the positioning and all that stuff. Now it was better, you know, more natural. Yeah, and I was actually still breastfeeding my first one uh, back to two months prior to the delivery so it was very fresh and I still had milk in and everything so it was mm. much easier mm. second time around yeah 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 great is there something else you want to say about the second birth or do you feel comfortable and good and just leaving well, it with this now I can maybe say as a sum up that will kind of also tie with the first birth that and this postpartum world experience that I feel like um, in also in general the experience with Neovola whether it is during pregnancy or after when looking for support in breastfeeding or whatever with your child uh, understanding thing it's a lot about adjusting expectations and understanding that you will get what you would get from the Finnish services and not get bitter and sad about it but try to look for other sources of information because they are meaning not leaving it at there because someone from Neovala told you that yeah yeah it looks very good the breastfeeding although it hurts you so to be in touch with doulas to be in touch with other 
um, physiotherapists, osteopaths, et cetera, et cetera, until you get an answer that feels good yeah. and sounds right to you. Yeah. And also on the public side, like some of these things are private costs, which I understand are difficult for some, but there are also charities that support mm -hmm. people in different challenging situations, like with breastfeeding. There's this also Imetustuki, I think it's called, mm -hmm. which is a breastfeeding support organization on its own. So Yeah, and they have group in English once a month, yeah. at least when I was looking into it. And I actually, that, I can... Yeah, yeah sorry. No, I was going to say that one of the best ways to find these resources is to connect with other parents. Mm. Because maybe the Novola doesn't remember to give you the name of the charity, but could be that somebody of your friends who had a kid already um, or somebody who was expecting and, you know, had a baby two months before you even and you were pregnant at the same time can recommend these resources to you. So getting yourself connected with other people and other parents is very, very valuable. Mm. And also I would even go as far as saying that bring them back then to your Neovola and tell them that you did this and that because some of the charities, they don't even know themselves. Yeah, It's very up to the nurse, them like individual yeah. nurses. This and is what I've understood as well. Yeah, If you bring it back to your nurse, then she might share it to the next parents in her coming after the appointment yeah. after you. And she will keep it in mind and, and yeah. start to research on that hmm. uh, and actually talking about charities and and this kind of services i can mention that the folk health and doula service is also totally free so it's not as uh, complete as professional doulas yes. service would offer meaning they yes. will be picking your phone calls in the middle of the night <laughs> answering all of your worries and they will meet you several times and they will be on call for your uh, when you are around your due date Folkestan is a little bit more uh, flexible. You you get to get two or three meetings prior to to the delivery, and then they will be there if they can. But otherwise, they might have another reserve doula. But if they can't, well, it's not guaranteed that you would have someone meeting yeah. there. But eventually, I had to pay only thirty euros for her, the travel uh, expenses and the rent of the tense machine. Yeah. Um, so I think it's very, <laughs> it was yeah. definitely worth, worth yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And second so delivery, know. I ask, I dare to ask the same doula again, who is not a doula anymore and who mm. is not working <laughs> as the doula chef. But she said that, of course, I would be mm. delighted to come. And, and you I'm felt grateful. special again. <laughs> I felt special again. <laughs> I should have asked her to come earlier. So I would have felt special earlier mm. and not gone into, um, The, the state I had to go because I I had a very similar experience than the first one I came to the hospital because I felt that now it's happening and they sent me back home because by their protocol, I was not open enough. Yeah. Uh, similar to the first birth. Similar to the first birth, but the first birth was true because I got to be home five, six hours before coming back and being open in five. But the second time I knew that it will go quick because first mm. birth, four hours of active labor, you know, Most of the time, second births are uh, just as fast, if not faster. Yep. And I came as soon as the contraction were two minutes apart and they sent me back home and I decided that, well, then it's going to be a home birth because I'm not going back to this hospital if they don't want me. <laughs> and my doula came <laughs> to our place rushing and she forced me back to the hospital and 40 minutes later, my baby was born. So um, 
grateful mm. for the doula again. Although I still need to think again if I would have should have planned a home birth <laughs> behind the, <laughs> the hospital back. I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, it's still working if process. one day you have a third child. <laughs> It's for sure going to be a home birth, yes. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's still in the cards or in the stars or wherever Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) for you. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, Maybe to then bring it back to what we were saying, sort of what do you feel like you've learned from the first or second? You, You spoke a little bit about the hypnobirthing. Is there any other lesson that you feel like you've taken with you from these births into your motherhood um, as a rite of passage and something you feel like you yeah you you still carry with you mm, I'm gonna answer your question backwards sorry <laughs> uh, I like to do That's that fine. <laughs> <laughs> but actually um, when I was giving birth to uh, Lumi my first daughter uh, when I had contractions and I went into this from these hypnobirth exercises and breathing in and, and deep and, and screaming, yes, I didn't mention that, but I use my voice a lot. Mm-hmm. And from this um, birthing without fear technique, I was using the very deep voice and also screaming, yeah, in Swedish, which means yes. So positively welcoming the waves and etc. And I had a familiar feeling in my body, like I had done that somehow. Hmm. before but I haven't given birth before but a few weeks after birth I connected the dots that oh yeah this familiar feeling actually was from Avanto going ice bathing hmm. which I love to do in Finland but it was the same process that when you come out from the sauna or just got your clothes off and you're going to bath in a pool of ice you need to be very focused you need to walk in there go in go out and don't start on the way to think that, oh, it's going to be so cold. Am I going to dare to go there? Maybe I just put my toe in there and then I will see. No, you go in, you go out. And you go in knowing that when you will go out, you will feel so good. Yeah. And yeah, that's, you what keep... that's, that's what it's <laughs> that's worth. That's why you do it. It's not only torture. Yeah. And you have to keep your thought kind of like chained because otherwise if you start to panic or wonder about the cold then you're going to feel the cold and it's going to be horrible. Well, it was the same with the contractions, the pain. I, I wouldn't, at no point I said or will say that my, my delivery were painful. Right. Because it was very channeling, this feeling and those, those contractions and those waves that we often talk about. And to answer your question, why I was talking about this is that I was... Um, I'm, I'm a very cognitive person. I'm very analytical. I love to analyze everything. I'm a researcher at the university, so that's it's actually my job, literally. But I was surprised during the birth. I felt so empowered after the birth, and I was so proud of my body and understanding all of the knowledge that my body had, like this experience of going to Avanto and mm-hmm. trusting the body, that the body yeah. knows and the body remembers and it was there at the birth, and of course, the birth itself stayed with me and my body to this day. And and I'm feeling much like I'm just feeling empowered from this mm. experience, and I feel it every day, for sure. Trust. I hear you say a lot about mm. trust. Mm. Yeah, and that how important that is in in our motherhood, mothering journey. And being anchor, uh, the anchoring and being very mm. 
connected yeah. to the kind of like root feeling. Yeah. Just, you know, root I love level. the comparison to the ice because one of the things in birth preparation is like, for example, to hold ice in your hand mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. try and cope with the discomfort of that to kind of emulate what it might feel like to cope with a contraction. Right. So definitely this cold sensation is, is uh, oh, in a way, a practice for training. Yeah, it's a good practice, <laughs> yeah. And you might have some similar practice or your body remembers some kind of thing that could be compared. Yeah, in the... marathon runners maybe. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. The, the stamina that is needed for birth. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So I think maybe from here we can sort of wrap up. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have anything else you want to say before so I don't close you off? (laughs) Nothing that that can come up right now. I could say a lot about the postpartum, but that could be another. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I was thinking also of doing postpartum stories as well. Mm, Definitely also needed. But uh, yes, thank you just for being here and for sharing your your experience so that I'm sure will be super valuable. And it's it's nice, I think, to, to be in the space where you were listening to birth stories and now sharing your mm. own and having the possibility to inspire others or just let others into what birth can actually be like and how non-linear it is. This is what gets me every time. Mm. For sure. It doesn't follow a line and a curve and each, you know, how fast it can go from five to ten, like, in an hour. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And always listen to your body. That's also a really big message. Yeah. Thank you you for allowing me to share my story. It was on the highest of my bucket list since (laughs) I gave birth. (laughs) That's amazing. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Daniel. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode and welcome back next week. Just before you go, I want to ask you a question. Do you want postpartum support from people around you but struggle with asking for help? Do you feel awkward to have this kind of conversation? Are you not really sure what to say? I've got you covered and I've created just the guide for you. It's a word-for-word script that will help you feel confident to have this hard conversation. You will also receive the three crucial elements for a request for help, which will turn it from a nice idea into a reality. Until now, this script has been used only by my clients, and this will be the first time that it is offered for free. It's your chance to receive a great tool which has guided many of my clients in overcoming their fear of asking for help and allowed them to build their village. Do you want the guide that will help you build yours? You can download it now by visiting motherstransition.com. Thank you for tuning in to the Birthing in Finland podcast. To get the show notes for this episode, go to doulacollective.fi forward slash birthing in Finland. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and share this with someone who you think needs to hear it. A friend, a colleague, a neighbor. Help us get the word out so that more families can start enjoying these conversations. See you next time when I introduce you to another amazing person supporting families just like yours.